0: Well hello there, and welcome. I'm your host for this evening. You know, it's no secret that Walt Disney's creativity knew no bounds. But at times, every artist needs a muse. You know, the juggling act of film, TV, parks, and family life, well it required that Walt find a respite, an oasis in the desert so to speak, a place to whet his whistle when the creativity spigot ran dry. The Wedway in. And so, much like he set out to create a VIP lounge within Disneyland with Club 33, lesser well-known, uh, perhaps by design, was that he created a private watering hole where he and the boys could let their hair down. Plush mauve velvet, floor-to-ceiling drapes, grand entrances through pocket doors, french cheeses and oysters, and of course, behind the well-stocked bar. Filling out a bespoke plaid vest is the barkeep, Mr. Abraham McAdoo. He serves up the usual lineup of bevies. Yes, plenty of bevies. Abraham lives in the Wedway Inn. He's an institution here. He's the kind of barkeep that knows how to pour a drink. And perhaps better still, he knows how to keep a secret. Your humble host, well, I take my cue from Mr. McAdoo and I've been sworn to secrecy about the Wedway Inn, its whereabouts, its deepest desires, and its most treasured stories. But uh, you catch me here after a few gin fizzes, well, let's just say I make no promises. Today, a new group of Disney lovers inhabit the Wedway Inn. Imagineers sit in the parlor, staring deeply into blueprints, covered with rings from empty glasses on attraction ideas that will only ever exist in their dreams. A slightly disheveled but resilient Cinderella kicks off her glass slippers and enjoys a well-earned and well-chilled French 75 after a full night of unadulterated waving and blowing kisses to the future broken hearts. And then, upon closer inspection, we see an unassuming yet refined foursome, and they've nestled in contently into one of those semicircle corner booths. Some may wonder how they got the invite. Well, let's just say there's such a thing as being too comfortable in your own skin. There's Michael. Oh, Michael, the wide-eyed optimist. You have Brooke, the joyful sweetheart. Jason, the romantic, and Tommy, the sympathetic cynic. This is the Disney Crew, and tonight, you're invited to stay up late with them. We'll start our evening upstairs on the Castaway Terrace, a lush tropical patio on the second floor, garnished with bamboo chairs and the night's canvas of stars twinkling just for us. Let's listen in as the Disney Crew wax romantic about why they fell in love with Disney Parks. And when they finish, or perhaps when your drink runs dry, you meet me back here because the Wedway Inn has more stories to share and more secrets to tell.
1: What I always tell people like, no matter where you're at, or what you're doing, or what time of day it is in Disney, you're gonna stumble upon something really cool. And if you take the time to just soak it in and enjoy it, to me, that's what makes it such an awesome experience.
2: When I went to Disneyland, um, and that was just a few years ago, I mean, I don't know, I was 25 or 26, and I was. I had so much fun and I didn't want to leave and I was so depressed for like months after we left. And I immediately planned my next trip to go to Disney World like months later.
3: I think when I was 18, you know, I happened to move across the country, A ton of people kind of moved in and out of my life for various reasons. And so it was like at that moment, a group of us went to Disney World, Uh, a bunch of kids like in the backseat of the car, but now we were driving the car. And at the moment I kind of needed something stable that didn't change because everything else was so you know kind of drove there uh, but I think the definitive moment was probably two or three days into the trip and I think it was magic hours so it was kind of dark and we were walking down main Street and everything was was lit up and uh, you know but we were walking down like together which was really nice so, some say is a trap, I disagree. I think it's necessary. So for me, I fell in love with Disney when I was 18, not eight. So because I needed something that, that kind of didn't change and Disney stays the same, kind of timeless, I think. It, it, it's just kind of always there. It feels like it always has been. And so I think if I went by myself at that point or even with my own family, it, it wouldn't have dug, it, dug its hooks into me like it did. There's something to be said, I think, for walking down uh, Main Street Seeing, seeing the old shops, you know, seeing the the stories that you make up in your head about those shops, the memories floating around you, but also doing it with a bunch of kids who are in the same boat as you, um, trying to figure it out, I think, was, was the moment that I really, really kind of connected to it.
1: I went for the first time when I was a little bit older. I didn't go as a kid, and so I was in my early 20s the first time I actually made it uh, down there, and so... I think what really appealed to me even before I went was knowing that it wasn't just going to be like theme parks and that's it, but that there's really like this all-encompassing experience that you can have if you take advantage of it and being able to do activities that aren't even in the parks.
2: There's no other park like it that where you feel like you are completely escaping to another place basically um any other theme park you know you're in a theme park the whole time and disney just has a whole different feel
1: but i remember going into the parks there is a a magic that immediately does grab you especially if you grew up with the old disney movies. so it appeals to the to the kid in you but at the same time as an adult there's so much there to experience and so much to see. And so I, I think it, it was just this whole, like, all-encompassing experience where you're kind of going back to your days as a kid, but at the same time you're enjoying it as as an adult. I, I
2: actually went as a kid, but I would say I didn't fall in love with it until I was 19. In my twenties, basically, because I think I appreciated it more.
1: In terms of appreciating it more as an adult, I mean, case in point for me is the resorts. Because you know, when you're a kid, I mean, you don't want to be hanging out at a hotel. You want to get out of the hotel and head to the parks. But you know, as an adult, you have a true appreciation for what the resorts really have to offer and and how cool they are, even hanging out in resort lobbies and stuff like that. You know, having a hot chocolate at, you know, Animal Kingdom Lodge or you know, Wilderness Lodge, places like that. I mean, stuff that you don't necessarily appreciate as a kid, but that as an adult, I think you have a true appreciation for. I
2: actually think, I mean, there's a little bit of nostalgia, yeah, but I actually think I appreciate it more as an adult. Because as a kid, I really liked it, but... I wasn't, like, obsessing about it when I wasn't there, and I do that currently. (laughs) So, yeah, I just realized when I left and how depressed I was that I I was in love. I was lovesick for Disney.
4: I remember the first time that, I actually very kind of clearly remember the first time that I rode Spaceship Earth.
2: The moment that my mind always goes back to, there's a couple. One is just riding on spaceship Earth, because it's amazing. Um, I always want to transport myself onto that ride.
4: And, you know, you're getting on this ride and you're not... I, I didn't, I know as a young kid, I wasn't expecting it to be what it, you know, ended up being. And I thought it was going to be more like a, like a roller coaster or a thrill ride of some sort. Um, and I think as a kid, frankly, I was probably a little bored on it. Um, but as the years went by, I started to appreciate it more. And uh, to me, there's nothing you know, more thrilling than when you turn that corner and you come to the top of the, the sphere and you see the planet Earth and the music swells and you have all of that kind of anticipation for that moment. And, and I think that's when I started to realize that these rides, these attractions, they can be more than just um, you know, a roller coaster or, or something that we associate with thrilling. And you have all these different kind of dark rides that are thrilling in their own way and uh, I think that's why I really started to fall in love with the Disney parks is because of the dark rides. It's it's these rides, these these thrilling experiences that are a combination of you know story, um, you know, sometimes education, um, music. It's all these elements that come together to create this immersive experience in this ride that gives you these thrills uh, without that physical movement. But uh, the dark rides for me are. I fell in love with Disney Parks.
1: Growing up with the movies and stuff, I mean, having watched them, you know, when I was a little kid over and over and over again, um, I, yeah, I definitely have a feeling of nostalgia going going into the parks. Um, you know, I, I don't know that... To be honest with you, part of the nostalgia that really grabs me is not necessarily the stuff that has to do with movies, though. I mean, walking down Main Street and and seeing you know the the style of the buildings there and and the music that's playing. I mean, um, you know, I think it's I think it's a nostalgia, not necessarily just for old time Disney, but there's a nostalgia just for you know sort of a I guess what you might say is a bygone era that, you know, when you're when you're in there, it just it doesn't feel like you're in any normal place. You feel like you're in a you know, I don't want to use the term old fashioned because it's not, but you do feel like you're in some a place that is is not from this modern time, but is from, you know, decades past
4: all these elements come together and it's really you know the closest location that you can travel to where you have the highest percentage of all these elements coming together to make a perfect experience and i'm not saying it happens every time i'm just saying like because there's so many elements there from the food to the music to the theming to the attractions to the characters to the extra activities all those things that you have this like perfect storm that can happen and it usually happens at least once for everyone. You have this like perfect trip. And then this like, I think this, you know, I'm, there, I haven't not done any scientific research to back this up, but that gets embedded in your brain. And I think every other time you're trying to recapture that perfect trip. And it gets close, it gets close.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've fallen, I've fallen guilty of that t- to the point of even trying to recreate jokes that don't for it the second time around. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's a big part of that, and, and so I think it's on each person to, I don't know, try to make, uh, you know, try to, try to make something, I I think it's good to make every trip a little bit different, that way you're not trying to recreate the wheel, because you're never going to capture that lightning in a bottle again, so,
1: um. Knowing that I'm going to experience something that I didn't experience in trips past, and I think that's the stuff I really, really look forward to. You know, a few months ago when we did the Food and Wine Fest, that was my first time doing Food and Wine Fest, and and that was, you know, unique and really awesome. And then um, even small things like this pastime we went a few weeks ago, getting to see the Star Wars fireworks show at midnight was so awesome. So... I think just having like different stuff that surprises you each time—that that's what really does it for me. I, you always look forward to seeing something that you haven't really seen before.
2: It was just perfect, all of it.
1: I ate at the German beer garden that first night, and uh, you know we were trying to drink those huge beers and eat all that food, and like I just remember, and you know that was such a cool experience in and of itself. And then I just remember, like, when it was closing down, and we're like, the last one's leaving, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, the night's kind of over, we're going to make our way out of the park, back to the hotel, and we walk outside, and like, right as we're walking outside, illuminations was starting. Just to walk out that night and have these fireworks just going off all around you, to me, was was just, you know, so awesome, and I, I think the other... Well, there's two moments, really, that stand out for me from that trip, too. One was when we got to see the fireworks from the deck at the New Trader Sam's, which I thought that was just so cool. But the other one was, you know, when we just decided to go eat, you know, take the monorail and go eat dinner at the uh, Grand Floridian. And, and you know, when we're done with our meal, we're thinking, okay, we'll go to a park or whatever, and we come out, and that little jazz band starts playing. and You know, it's the little things like that. That's the stuff to me that, because you, there's just always so many really interesting and cool things going on everywhere that no matter where you're at, if you take the time and, and enjoy it, it just makes it so much fun. And, and so those moments to me are, are what really stand out.
3: You know, I tend to live in films and songs, so you know that's the thing about Disney, it, it's kind of it's like taking the long way home to listen to a song, but it's real. <laughs> and tangible. So everything from the parks, like to the resorts, uh, the staff, the theming, it's kind of like you get to live in a dream for a couple days. And, you know, unlike most dreams that are never the same, you can't relive them. Uh, Disney stays the same every time I go back. So I try to go back.
0: found yourself thinking about what made you fall in love with Disney Parks. Well, you wouldn't be the first lovesick transient to walk through these doors, and I'd be lying if I said the story of how I ended up here isn't wrapped up around in that very same sentiment. But that's a story for another time. For now, you have a reserved spot in that Marceline room. The Marceline room was Walt's room. When the chips were down and a full deck stacked against him, this was the room where the answers emerged from the fog. This was where he figured stuff out. And you may just find that you will too. I'll leave you with the Marceline Room's most treasured and most beautiful hostess, Miss Esther June. She'll take you in from here. As for me, well, I've got a bar stool with my name on it. Abraham. Tell me again about that blonde trapeze artist from the pastry shop in Morocco. She had a fire. Welcome to the Marceline room. Your table is ready. Let's figure some stuff out.
3: I mean, um, you know, the, the, the beginning of a trip is is great and it's exciting, but inevitably the last day of the trip, even if it's a, a full day packed with stuff to do, in the back of your mind, you know it's coming to an end. So um, just I'd love to get some feedback as to what you, know, you guys do to make that last day not depressing or a bummer because you already know that you got a, a plane ride.
1: Welcome to any thoughts. (laughs) To be honest, for me, I just, like, the key is acceptance. Like, hey, (laughs) it's no big deal, you're going home. So the five stages of grief, okay, yeah,
3: thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Denial, anger, bargaining,
1: acceptance. Just go straight to the last one. Hey, I mean, the show's coming to an end, it is what it is, you know, suck it up. And just enjoy the last day. Like, don't worry about what's coming, but just enjoy the time that you have there. And you know, know that there's going to be another trip coming later. But you know, there's no no need to fight the reality that it's going to come to an end. You know, was that a depressing answer? No, it was actually too optimistic. So it didn't. That (laughs) (laughs) that, was. It was.
4: It was a little too mature.
2: Question. (laughs) Like, I don't even like thinking about this. (laughs)
4: A little too mature for my taste. Yeah.
3: No. So, Tommy. Uh, t- I was
4: thinking. I was thinking. Well, yeah. And I was thinking your question was more along the lines of like, you know, how do we, how do we find the uh, the, the courage to get through the rest of our life until we get back? and <laughs> now you're hitting on something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right.
2: <laughs>
4: but no i mean like
3: acceptance isn't i i can't do that so like what is an actual tip i could use like no, no offense michael but like i need something that i could use to like, i'm on if i'm on pirates i know that the church over in six hours i'm like counting down the hours so maybe that's just something i need to work on i don't know
4: i like to have a last meal
3: there you go okay
4: i like to make sure that i have a uh, I, I like to set one of my my biggies, my big reservations for that uh, for that last day. so I have something to kind of send it off on the right foot. Uh, well, it, it can work one of two ways, and that's the beauty of going to one of like the the big restaurants is that you have that like that big final great meal to kind of send you off, or you can eat yourself so stick that you just want to get home.
1: <laughs> right. I mean I think part of it too is the souvenirs I always find that on the last day we tend to be hitting more of the shops at the very end and so maybe part of it is you know finding a little trinket or something that you can take with you that um, you know kind of makes the magic of that trip last a little bit longer I guess. Like a Cars Land magnet? Boom. Yes. <laughs> you, know,
3: you know what just it just came to me, that uh, as we're sitting here talking about it, is what makes it okay is having a potential video to watch later afterwards. <laughs> like that just, I, I'm dead serious, that just came to me. That actually makes it okay because you're kind of excited to go home and put it together, and then and watch it again.
4: So that, that, that makes it somewhat variable yeah, you have a great that's actually a great um, a great tip is you know record a lot of video because you do have that, then that's something that I look forward to is editing the video and and watching that again and then having something to rewatch because uh, we sort of make our um, we sort of make our, you know, the videos that we take, we make them into mini-movies, you know, we'll put opening and closing credits, we'll put music behind them, and it becomes something fun for, you know, our friends and our family to, uh, well, for us to force them to watch. Yeah, I was gonna say, where
3: you? It hasn't happened with me, but yeah.
4: Brooke?
2: Um... Yeah, the last day, I'm just thinking about the next trip I can plan, and I actually like Michael's um, idea, what he said about the souvenirs and doing the shopping, so that's something you have to do on the last day.
4: Are you looking around when you're on the trip? Are you looking around for, like... Like how am I going to improve the next trip? Like what am I going to do differently? Like who am I not going to bring with me?
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I even take notes. Like I take notes. Like okay, this restaurant was great, and like this time, this wasn't. Like I don't want to do it in this way. This friend sucks. Oh yeah. Yeah, like don't ever come with this person again. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
1: (laughs) Can you dish a little bit about who's on that list of people you never go to Disney with again?
2: Again, yeah, no, you can't. A awkward, no, no. Nobody has been. Are any of them on this terrible. podcast? <laughs> it's not present company. No, no. Everyone's been great.
3: It's Michelle. <laughs> hey, but Michael, do you find yourself that last day in the acceptance mode? Do you have a tendency though to yeah. stare a little longer? If you get my drift. You know, yeah, I mean, don't more. get me
1: wrong. There's definitely a sense of, of sadness. I mean, you don't want to leave. It's, it is sad to leave. Um, I guess maybe part of it is I don't want to let myself get wrapped up in being so sad that it takes away from actually enjoying that last day. And so I always just feel like I just want to make, make it as full of a day as possible. Um, I know it, it seems like whenever we go to Disney World that our last stop tends to be Disney Springs or used to be downtown Disney. And so, you know, the first half of the day you're either in a park or you're doing something and and then um, you might have lunch or you might go to downtown Disney to have lunch. And then it just seems like we're spending the rest of the day, you know, walking around there. So to me, that's always kind of like the home stretch. And I think even at Disneyland, Like the last couple times we've been there, we spend the last few hours in downtown Disney, kind of walking around, and so I think it's just planning, planning a full day, making sure you pack a lot of things in to that last day, a lot of activity, and and just making sure you enjoy it, and and don't get. I guess that's what I mean about accepting it. You know, you don't want to. To me, I don't want to be so sad that I'm leaving that I'm not enjoying the last day because it's being overwhelmed with the sadness I'd rather make it a full day so I can enjoy the every minute that I have there
3: fair enough I'll try that this next time beautiful beautiful I'll try that next week
4: This week's episode of the Disney Crew was brought to you by Diztee, D-I-Z-T-E-E, Diztee, on redbubble.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.